All right, episode 37, TJ Martino Podcast. We're here in Columbus, Ohio with my former boss, mentor, <laughs> and hero. Oh, hero. Gary, the arena guy, is here, people. All right. He's in the building. And we are going to be doing a really fun episode today. We're doing the top 10 movies of 2020. I know, right? In April of 2021, we're talking about 2020 movies. It's been a strange year, uh, but and it's been a weird year for movies. It, I said this in 2019 that that was such a hard list to make, and I think about it because there were so many good movies that year. This was a hard list to make because there was no movies this year, so, you know, it was really slim pickings, you know, some of these movies that are on my list, and I'm not not sure about yours as well, but um, they'll probably be, they wouldn't be on the list in another year, (laughs) but, you know, it is what it is, but there was some, some, some hidden good films out there, don't you agree? I totally agree, and, uh, it was a strange year, and it is kind of strange in April to look back at 2020, because it had to wreck my brain as to what I actually saw, because most theaters were closed for most of the year, and you know how much I love watching movies at home on streaming services? Yeah which I, I don't. I feel like those are made for TV movies. So I like uh, going to the theater and having the theatrical experience with popcorn and the giant screen and the Dolby sound and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. So we didn't have that much opportunity. And a lot of uh, studios also held their movies until things kind of resumed a little bit. Yeah. Until the world they were held it up. They, you're right. They were. I mean, how many times has James Bond been... Uh, been uh, kind of re- yeah. have a new release. They had yet. to they had to go they had to go back for James Bond and and redo some of the CGI because it became outdated yeah. over the time that it was just sitting in the studio doing nothing. Like I mean, is that weird? So it was uh, a very strange year, and like you said, my top ten list includes several movies that would not normally be on a best of yeah list, and and also. You made it challenging, challenging because you said 2020 yeah. as opposed to the Academy Awards season. Right, because that's I usually like to time this up with the Oscars. Right. But the Oscars are in April now. So. Well, they're in <laughs> April, and it's what's really weird about the Academy Awards, and I, it's, it's one thing that I don't like about the Academy Awards, is that a lot of times studios will strategically release movies like a month or two before the voting deadline. So those movies are front and center and fresh in the minds of the voters as opposed to movies that were, were, were released earlier in the year uh, tend to be forgotten. And a case in point is one we talk about a lot is Rocketman yes, last year, favorite. which was, a, in my mind, a brilliant movie that deserved a nomination. But it was really so early in the season that other movies came along and a lot of the nominated movies are closer to the voting deadline time. So it, it didn't happen. So... It's uh, the whole thing's kind of strange, special this year, but there were some really good ones though. Yeah, there were. I, I was really surprised actually, like how how many good like intimate movies there were this year as compared to like yeah. previous years where you know you got the big blockbusters and taking up most of the space. This was kind of a year for independent movies in a way because it was it, totally. You know, a lot of these movies were shot in 2019 and just were kind of sitting there, you know, waiting to be released, and then here they are, and some of them are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it was, it's definitely a weak year. And I think, you know, obviously there are so many other reasons for that, but that's neither here nor there. But the point is, is that well, it's, mostly it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a weak year, but there's still some great films. So how we're going to do this is, is Gary and I have both, uh, made our own top 10 lists on, on our own. We have not shared any of our picks. Right. 
So we are going to just break down each movie uh, from 10 down to one. And if we have, if we both have a, mo a movie on our list, but his is higher, for example, like let's just say, for example, Star Wars. He says Star Wars is his, you know, I say Star Wars is my number 10 movie, but it's his number five. He would say, okay, hold on. We'll talk about it later. It's higher on my list. Just, yeah. just say, just say it's higher on my list or something like that. So just let me know. And uh, yeah, we'll just do that. We'll just trade one a piece and, and go. Okay, sounds great. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> this is fun because they, these conversations, the kind of conversation we're having today, are conversations that we had in the office. Mm -hmm. We're just talking right. personally. Yeah. So this is fun to put in the yes. podcast. Yes, and I, we'll give a little background to that. I was I was the Gary's intern for a year. Uh, it was an awesome experience. And if you're in Columbus, a student and uh, are looking for an awesome internship with some great experience. In the entertainment world, this is your guy right here. <laughs> the arena guy. He is the arena guy. Uh, can you just break down the arena guy before we get into the, 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 the lists? Well, uh, I'm kind of like two people, kind of like Jekyll and Hyde, because half of me is the communications director at the shot in Nationwide Arena. And uh, I always kind of say that's the suit and tie guy. That's where I'm being myself. I'm answering questions from the media or pitching stories to the media and talking about kind of arena or industry-related issues. The arena guy is kind of, uh, I would say, a brand that was started to kind of share behind the scenes of what we do mm -hmm. and uh, make TV and radio appearances and kind of brand the arena guy with the model that I, I call fun and informative. So we get the message out. We let, I let the, the marketing team do the hard sell. I feel like I do the soft sell and try to create FOMO. Everybody knows what that is, right? Mm -hmm. The fear of missing out. So we create uh, content at events, talking to fans, talking to uh, sometimes uh, performers, uh, sharing stories, uh, creative content of what these events are all about to make it, one, seem fun. You can't miss it. You should be there. And two, if you did miss it, ah, bad for you. Come to the next one. So that's what we're kind of doing, kind of yeah. share behind the scenes fun what we, with what we do. Right. And he's, he's kind of like the liaison between, you know, the acts themselves and the shows and the, the people. You know, he's, he's the middleman. And the he, he, he gives, yes, he gives the, uh, the information to the people um, and does it in a way that's entertaining and interesting and funny at times. And sometimes embarrassing, but <laughs> that's where the funny part comes in. Right, exactly. <laughs> funny at your expense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, let's get into these moves. I just wanted to do a little, you know, just so people know who you are. Do okay. a little bit, you know, a little bit of an intro. Now we're getting into the list. Okay. You're the guest. What's your number 10? Number 10 was a movie, you know, you talked about there weren't many blockbusters, but budget-wise, this movie was a blockbuster. It had a $100 million budget and it made a whopping $62,000 so far. Wow. And uh, I'm sure COVID had a lot to do with it because movie theaters were just not open. Yeah. And it never really caught caught on with those who did see it. And it's a movie that uh, was, I'm sure the studios and the director and the actor, who's the same person, felt it would do a lot better. But it's also a genre in the, in the, in the COVID, listen to me build this up, during uh, the year of COVID, there were a lot of kind of horror and science fiction movies out there, maybe because they were never intended to be blockbusters, but this one was. Um, it was called The Midnight Sky. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen it. Uh, written by George Clooney, or produced by and directed by George Clooney and starring George Clooney with the very, you know, all the, all the women drool over him about, you know, he's, he's like uh, the most good looking actor in America and all that kind of stuff. 
he was not afraid to uh, go against that type in this movie. He had this very long beard. He, he looked uh, way older than he really is. Uh, and uh, I will be honest with you, it made number 10 on my list because I could not get through it. Um, it just never captured my attention. Now, to put it into perspective, I watched it at home okay. about 10 o'clock at night. Now, that's not terribly late, and it's not for you because I know you're, you are a night owl. Not as much anymore. Well, I used to be more. Yeah, I used one, to be, yeah. But now... You know, it gets to be about 11 o'clock, and I'm not really ready to call it a night, but I'm kind of, like, winding down. And maybe that was the reason. And I watched it at home, kind of laying on my couch. If I was in the theater, I'm not one to leave movies before they're over, even if they're bad, because I yeah. feel like I paid the money. For yeah, it. it takes a lot to get me to watch I've only done it once in my life, and... Um, so I probably would have stayed and watched the whole thing, and maybe it's something that builds, but it's a... Uh, it was an attempt to be in the sci-fi genre. George Clooney, big name attached to it, big Hollywood movie. Expected. It just didn't work for you. It didn't work for me, number 10 on my list. Okay. My number 10 is... Uh, let me pull up the list here. <laughs> this is my show and I'm not even prepared. Yeah. All right, here we go. My number 10 is a film that came out in early 2020. Uh, it was kind of one of the only sports movies that came out in 2020. Oh, uh, it came out early, uh, and I saw it, I think, in March or April, like right at the beginning of quarantine, I checked it out, and it is The Way Back with Ben Affleck. Have you seen this film? I did not. You know what? I, I actually, a couple days ago, when I was trying to come up with what movies actually did come out yeah, in 2020. Yeah, this was a hard year. Because it was a hard year. Hard Normally, year. it's like, what you said earlier, it's like there's way too many. Right, it's hard because I don't know which one I like more. Exactly. It's like, ugh, I guess I'll throw this one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I, I noticed that movie, and I did not watch it, and maybe I should have. I don't know if it's on Netflix or not, but my, the only streaming service I have is Netflix. Okay. So my options, uh, Amazon Prime and all that, don't have that. Okay. So. But so uh, this movie was good. Uh, basically, Ben Affleck plays an alcoholic, you know, drunk high school high school basketball coach, and like I mean, I mean, he's like he's like working in like some like metal mill at the beginning of the movie, and then he gets I guess record, recruited to be the basketball coach at this high school that he used to play at. He was like the best player at, which I mean, Ben Affleck doesn't really strike me as a basketball player, you know, build, but you know, whatever. It's a movie. Uh, and, um, yeah, I thought the movie was good. It is a little conventional. I mean, you know, it dives into, like, his alcoholism and how it, you know, it affects the, the team. And, you know, the movie was fine. It, it, like I said, it wouldn't have made my list any other year. But, I, you know, Ben Affleck's good in the film. And, and you know, it was entertaining. And, um, you know, some of the side characters had some, you know, funny quirks to them. So, I mean, it was, it was an interesting movie at best. But, yeah, kind of blah, if I'm being honest. Sounds like it... Uh... You know, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like maybe it was a little predictable. Yeah. Because I the mean, whole yeah. uh, struggles, personal struggles with trying to be rah-rah for the team and and maybe turning the team around. I don't know if that's what happened, yeah. but that's what typically happens in these types of movies. It's just, the one thing I thought was funny is, like, how much cursing there is in the movie. Like, for a high school, like, bad movie, like, run down the effing court. Like, you know, like, you see that throughout the whole movie, and it's like, it just, it adds a little bit of character to it. I, I don't know. I thought the movie was fun. Okay. Uh, what's your nine? My nine is, uh, it's a movie that a lot of people liked. A lot of people liked the first one better. Uh, a lot of people had questions as to how did, why did so-and-so come back? Or why did this happen? Okay, yeah. Um, in the second one. But it was exactly what I expected it to be. It's what you call a popcorn movie. 
and uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Didn't make my list, but it was an, it's, an, it's an honorable mention. It only made my list because I believe I only saw 11 movies in 2020 okay. that fall within the calendar year of 2020. Um, I've seen a whole bunch since January, but that doesn't qualify. <laughs> so it was fine. Kristen Wiig was kind of uh, from Saturday Night Live, uh, added some comedy relief. Uh, the boyfriend coming back seemed a little... It didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense at all. It's like, and, and like, they make it like this romantic thing, but it's like he's stealing somebody's body. Yeah. Somebody's life is being compromised for them to make up their relationship. Like, are you kidding me? For for something that nobody really wants to see, they killed him off in the in the in the first movie, which was ballsy and made sense, and then they just totally went back on it. Yeah. And now it makes the first movie a little bit less powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and, and a lot of people shared that opinion. So, I thought it was fine. It was uh, a popcorn movie. You wanted some action. It definitely had that. Uh, you know, Christian Wade went sour, and then she found the error of her ways and came back. But yeah, that seemed a little kind of weird too. But it's exactly a superhero type and, movie, and, and uh, kind of expected. The the, the uh, character, the, the businessman, uh, yeah. like Pedro Pascal. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is? I totally <laughs> agree. I rolled my Come eyes on. the whole movie. I rolled my eyes. Yeah, at his character. It's, it's like, like a, stupid. Yeah, the cringy Donald Trump, you know, caricature. Yeah. It's like ugh. We've seen that a million times in Hollywood in the past five years. And in real life. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the CG in that movie looked like crap at the end. That yeah. final battle sequence for me, the CGI, the effects looked horrible. Yeah. I was like, this looks terrible. Like, the design for the cheetah, what the hell were they thinking? Yeah. It's the kind of movie that should have gotten an Oscar nomination for visual effects and that sort of thing because that's what the movie's all about. Yeah, and they couldn't even get that right. No, they couldn't get that right. So, and, and that's the thing. I, I like the director, Patty Jenkins. She's very talented, she and, and she did a good job with the first movie. But this movie's just all over the place. It wants to be too many things. Yeah. Like, ugh, yeah. I, I think they tried to do too much with it. Yeah. So that was my number nine. Okay, my you know, it was number ten. As I was watching the Midnight Sky last night, and then the Midnight Sky just took the dive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one was strange. Yeah. Um. My number nine is a film called The King of Staten Island. Oh my god. So this is so funny. I don't mean to interrupt you, but no. The King of Staten Island. Um, I met Pete Davidson before. Really? Where? Uh, he was actually uh, did an OUAB uh, stand-up. Oh, there, really? Like a couple years ago. And met him there. And he was there with Davey Bryant from Saturday Night Live as well. Okay. Them. And I so wanted to see this movie because the trailer, when we talk about my love-hate with relationship with trailers because yeah. sometimes I don't want to know what a movie's going to be about but yeah, sometimes you need that to attract yeah, you to the theater and that trailer looked like it was against type for Pete Davidson and I want to see it so badly but it's not on Netflix I will say it's not against type oh it's not no but that doesn't mean it's bad I think yeah. it's it's a, it's a good movie. I mean, it's on top ten and I'll tell you what it's, it's probably one of my favorite comedies of the year and, and it really it had a lot of heart to it you know, I get, it had a lot more heart to it than I thought it would. I thought it was just going to be goofy, you know, Pete Davidson doing his, you know, stoner, meandering. That's bit. what I mean about going against type is a little different. Right. And he does do that in this movie, but okay. it has a level of, you know, personality to it that you can kind of, you know, you, you can get on board with it. And, you know, there's some funny dialogue, you know, some funny back and forth with some of the characters. And I like Bill Burr in the movie, too. He's really good. as like the, uh, like, kind of like stepdad kind of thing, yeah. you know. Uh, that was a really good uh, combination. Yeah, I thought the movie was 
surprisingly pretty good. I, and Pete Davidson was good in the movie. And I'm not a huge Pete Davidson fan, but he's he's good in this movie. And it's fun. It, it was a really good comedy with a lot of heart to it. He's in another movie called Palm Springs, and I, I wasn't able to see that either because it's uh, the King of Staten Island is an example of a movie that just didn't get played in theaters, but only in streaming services. Right. And yeah. there's what five or six major ones now. At yeah. least. And if you don't have the right one, you miss it. Just like News of the World with Tom Hanks. I mean, if you don't have HBO Max, yeah, I didn't or see that. Yeah. I want to see it so bad, but that's it was in the theaters for like two weeks, and then mm. so I'm kind of jealous that you saw that movie. Actually. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I, I thought it was yeah, it was a surprise because I like it was just a friend a movie that my friends and I were just gonna throw on one night, just a random night, and yeah, we looked at each other after after the movie, we're like, man, that was that wasn't that bad. I, I liked that. <laughs> I liked that a lot. Yeah. It had a heart to it, which I wasn't expecting. All right, what's your eight? My number eight is eight for one reason only. I thought it was phenomenal. But because it was nothing more than a videotaping or a recording of what happened on stage, it was kind of uh, weak from a movie standpoint, I felt. And that is Hamilton. Okay, I didn't see it. It's on Disney Plus. And that's the only place you could see the movie. Yeah, I didn't and, see it. And they, they sold it as a movie, but really it was nothing more than a recording with the original cast, which meant uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, mm-hmm. uh, a recording of the actual stage production. So it was basically a Broadway show on film. Or, okay. you know, I still say film, but, but it was mesmerizing. It was amazing. I've never seen the Broadway production or touring production, so to see it was really special. And I watched it with the caption on, mm-hmm. the closed captioning, so I could understand the lyrics because everything's sung. So yeah. uh, that helped. It was phenomenal, but as a movie, I made it number eight because it just was a recording. Yeah, watch. it's not. If it, okay, if it was a movie, where would you like if it was like a real production? I mean, that's hard to say. No, right? I would say if the movie, if they made a movie version that was as good as yeah. this production, it would have been in my top three. Okay. It really was. Yeah, I'll good? check it out. I've heard buzz about it. I've heard good things and I've heard bad things about it. So I'll, uh, those are the kind of movies I like. So I'll check it out. Broadway <laughs> musical released to theaters or released to. Uh, uh, Disney Plus, so it, it deserved better, but that's all. That's the reason why it's number eight. Okay. My number eight is the only documentary on this list. I don't usually almost put one on. I don't usually like to do documentaries, but yeah, this one's so good. Uh, it's called The Phenomenon. Have you heard of this movie? No, no. So this movie basically chronicles all of the UFO sightings in America since the 50s. Not all of them, but a lot of the big major ones from the 40s all the way to you know modern day. And this movie kind of chronicles it. It shows you, you know, reenactments of it. It interviews the people that have seen you know UFOs. And obviously now is the time for UFOs. I mean, the Pentagon just released more information on UFOs today. Um, so, yeah. you know, this is really becoming a thing. And I think this movie is kind of how spearhead that movement. It came out in October of last year, 2020, and I was really I heard a lot of buzz about it and I love UFO, alien, conspiracy theories, all that. So like I was so in on this and uh, I really enjoyed it. There's a, there's a lot of uh, former military people, uh, you know, senators, Congress people on both sides, you know, uh, giving their opinions on UFOs and, and it's interesting to see, you know, especially guys like Harry Reid who was like, you know, 
the senatorial leader for eight years, and when he kind of talked, they have an interview with him in the movie, and he kind of like hints at the fact that they haven't really released any of the information that they have on UFOs, and they know so much more. It's kind of what he led on. He didn't say that, but he kind of, you know, he kind of gave the wink of like, we we know exactly what this is, and you don't kind of thing. But I think they're going to try to try and start eating this kind of information out so slowly, you know, because it's. It's heavy. I mean, we're not the only people in, in the universe anymore, potentially. So I think that's something that they gotta do with care before people rip their own heads off the information. So. <laughs> yeah, but um, I love the documentary. Uh, the interviews are great, and uh, it's really well put together. So that's my number eight. What's your seven? Number seven. Uh, I I watched a couple weeks ago because I'm trying to watch all the Academy Award nominated movies and. Major performances, and uh, I'm drawing a blank now on the actress who was nominated for best Oscar. I can look it up here in a second. Mm-hmm. But it's a movie called Pieces of a Woman. Uh, I didn't see this. Uh, it's uh, I saw Promising Young Woman. That was the one I saw. I know, and I got that's and I, I thought did not like I, it. I thought I was going to see that one because it's up for best best picture. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with it at all. And it's not uh, Netflix, so yeah. um, and I will be seeing some of those movies. I thought, I, thought Carrie, I thought Carrie Morgan was really good in that movie, yeah. but the, the story is just ridiculous. Yeah. And that final act, I mean, with the text and all. No. Yeah. Well, like, but uh, good move. But, uh, what were you saying? Uh, Pieces of a Woman? Pieces of a Woman. Uh, perhaps it should trade spots with, I don't know. I hesitated trading spots with Hamilton for the reasons I just, you know, explained. So it fell at number seven. Performance is great. Shia LaBeouf uh, is, oh, is the the husband of I won't give much away, but the husband of a of a child that he had with his wife, and they had some issues, and uh, it, the relationship between husband and wife was strained after those issues. Performances were good. It just was a very and it it, it could be called a powerful movie. I mean, it, it really was about the struggles that she went through with, I mean, I think it's probably not a spoiler, but just dealing with loss in, in many areas, okay. you know, a marriage, a relationships, all this kind of stuff, and how she dealt with it. And, but it's very dry, very slow. It doesn't mean it's a bad movie. I sometimes like a lot of movies like yeah, that because yeah. I love character development. Mm-hmm. I don't need car crashes and explosions all the time. No. Actually, most of the time I don't. So that's number seven. And uh, the actress's name, which will come up to me, uh, is nominated for Best Actress. Okay. Um, so my number seven is a movie that uh, I knew I was going to see as soon as it was because I see every single movie the studio makes. And uh, this one really surprised me with how much I liked it. Uh, and that is Disney Pixar's Soul. Okay. Uh, not seen it? No. Okay. okay. Yeah. This uh, so it stars um, is it Jamie Foxx is in it? Yeah, Jamie, Jamie Foxx Fox is in it. Yeah, it's Jamie Foxx. He plays uh, like this uh, piano player, um, and basically he like dies accidentally, and his soul like goes up into this like spirit world, and basically has like he's, the whole movie is him trying to come back to Earth and be himself. And you know you learn a lot about this character, and, and you really they do a great job of like setting him up and making you care about him so that, you know, when things start going south, you're in. And I, I was in for this movie, and Jamie Foxx is great. Of course, he's great in everything. Um, yeah, he's, he's so good in this role. Uh, you know, he does a lot of the voice, the singing, and the piano, because there's a lot of music in this film. 
Uh, yeah, yeah so it, it, and it really has that kind of, you know, southern, uh, you know, uh, jazzy aesthetic to it, you know, because, you know, he's a jazz pianist. Uh, and, you know, you really get that connection with him and how he, you know, he's kind of older and he wants to, you know, still make it. You know, he's always struggled to make it in the industry. And, and it's kind of an interesting story for Pixar to tackle. Uh, but they, of course, add their fantasy and, and visual elements to it to make it all kind of mesh. And I, Pixar's, they, they, rare, they do miss, but rarely. And I think Jamie Foxx is probably one of the reasons why he's so good in it, other than... He's actually a terrific actor, mm -hmm. but he's also a musician, so he could probably relate to right, that. Right, yeah, he, he definitely, definitely played all the piano and sang all that, yeah. for sure. Um, my, my only complaint with the film and why it's not higher for me is um, the character played by, um, what's name from Saturday Night Live? Um, Tina Fey. Oh, Tina, Tina Fey's character is so awful and annoying that she almost ruins the movie at times, but... Uh, the relationship between her character and Jamie Foxx's character works well enough for the movie, but I just a lot of her dialogue is just corny. It's a shame because I do think she's funny in times, but not in this film. Uh, but yeah, outside of that though, I thought the movie had so much heart, and the ending is really satisfying. So excellent. Uh, yeah, what's your number six? Number six is uh, a film adaptation of a Broadway play that was very successful uh, by a playwright. Uh, Called uh, August Wilson, I believe, is he wrote it. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Okay, I've heard about this movie. I haven't seen it. Uh, Viola Davis is Ma Rainey. She's, She's fantastic. Who is uh, Ma Rainey? Is a real I'm Ma Rainey. Real a blues singer. Mm -hmm. She passed away. Legend. Legend passed away in the late '30s. Uh, people know uh, blues. Uh, she was a contemporary of Bessie Smith, mm -hmm. and they actually were friends and rivals at the same time. Um, uh, Denzel so Washington produced She was a little bit, she was before Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, by a long shot. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, she probably died at least 10 years before Ella started wow. um, having some impact. But Ella Fitzgerald was amazing. She was, I wouldn't call her as it was blues as much as maybe jazz. Okay. But um, uh, Milo Davis is really great. Denzel Washington produced it. Uh, Chad, Chadwick Boseman. He's in the film. He's in the film. He's nominated for Best Actor. He's going to win. He, I, I need to see this movie. movie. For two reasons he's going to win. One, he was phenomenal. And two, with him just recently passing away, that tends to uh, yeah, have posthumous Oscar. Oscar. Uh, a bit of some sympathy because he was well-loved in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Fans loved him. Hollywood loved him. He did terrific work. Mm -hmm. um, so I think he might win on that alone. But also his performance, if he wins, you can't be mad. Because sometimes when somebody passes away and they win an Oscar or a Grammy or something, you go, well, yeah, that's because uh, they passed away. It's crazy to me about Chadwick Boseman is that he shot all those films with cancer. And you he shot not Black Panther with cancer. You can't tell that he was challenged with uh, his, no. his illness, with his incredible potentially pain, uh, and emotionally, too. Yeah. And uh, he is... Uh, I understand there's another movie he's... That hasn't been released yet with him. Yeah. But there has he been. is so good. I need to see it. He's so good. He is going to win the Oscar, in my opinion. Okay. So it's a solid movie. Really? Because, because I think, think there is a performance that will win the Oscar over him. And I haven't even seen the movie, and I can tell you that. Okay. But, but we'll, we'll get, get to it. it. We'll get to that. Um, but it's 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 good. It's solid. Um, in a normal year, I don't know that it would make my top ten. If so, maybe at the bottom. But... Uh, <laughs> at the, my rainy's bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like what you did there. 
That was your six, right? right? Yeah. My number six is, was a horror film that came out in early 2020, I think in like January or February, uh, and really surprised me. I, at this, when I saw this movie, I was like, man, 2020 is going to be an awesome year. Well, yeah. <laughs> but um, this movie uh, really surprised me, and uh, it's called The Invisible Man. Uh, you know, I did not see that. But I'm, I'm not a horror movie guy, but I wanted to see that movie. Yeah, I, this is, okay, so it's directed by a guy named Lee Winnell. He's done um, a bunch of movies. He helped uh, create Saul with James Wan. He's, he's done a lot of direct, uh, horror films. Uh, he did a movie called Upgrade a couple years ago that I really enjoyed. Um, and this this movie is basically, you know, The Invisible Man is a classic horror villain, you know. We, they, we've seen the adaptations on a bunch, but this was one I actually kind of want to see be remade. And the way Lee Winnell does this movie, it has a lot of deep suspense. And, and, and he's, he's a great horror director, man. I really want to see this guy keep making films because I was really impressed with this. Uh, Elizabeth Moss, I think she stars in it. She's great in this movie. Uh, and there's there's a lot of like the way they use the invisible the invisible man in the film. To create suspense, uh, especially there's a scene I remember that she's sleeping in bed and like the sheets are getting pulled and stuff like that was a really intense scene. So there is some good uh, suspense in this movie, and, it was, it, and I really enjoyed it. I saw it early, uh, and it's always just kind of hung around on my list because I built my list from the beginning of from from the beginning of the year, and I just over time adapt the list as I yeah. see more movies and this one was at the top for a long time just because you know it came out at the right time just in time to be out in theaters and get a release before the pandemic so uh yeah it was a really good horror movie and I, I'm really excited to see you and he has two hits here in a row so a director to look out for Excellent. Uh, what's your five? Number five is uh based on a true story that uh a lot of it took place right here in Ohio uh, called Hillbilly Elegy. I've heard of this movie. I haven't seen it. Uh, Glenn Close nominated uh, in this uh, for this role, and uh, it's it's based on a true story, and it's good. It's 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 a good movie. It's kind of uh, didn't necessarily get a great response. I believe the budget was like forty five million, which is not that high for a Hollywood movie. Yeah. But it didn't have a lot of special effects or anything, and it only made like like fifty thousand or sixty thousand dollars. So. I think, I think it's, it's another victim of COVID. It was mostly streaming rather than mm -hmm. uh, in theaters. But Glenn Close is excellent. My complaint about Hollywood sometimes is that there are certain actors or actresses that get nominated no matter what. Right. And sometimes they nominate people just because they put makeup on or, or, or age themselves or make themselves mm -hmm. something that they're not. And uh, I'm not sure this is an Academy Award worthy performance in a normal year for her. She's not going to win, but the fact that she got nominated, I mean, good for her, but um, it was a solid movie. Uh, you just think they were better performances. Yeah, yeah, and, and she was fine. She was fine, but there wasn't anything about her performance that knocked her socks off. Okay. And I feel like Academy Award nominated movie should be, you know, exceptional. I agree. So it was, it was a good movie, and the fact that there were some Ohio ties and, and uh, some connections to... The it's not on Netflix. It's not Netflix. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That, that was your five, five right? That was my number five. Okay, okay so, so my number, number five is a film that I saw a couple months ago. I missed it when it came out, uh, and it, it, it got a lot of buzz toward the end of the year for Oscars. 
but, but I, I think, think a lot of that is kind of it's lost, lost a lot of steam now because you know we're in April and the Oscars like this film probably would have gotten more love and if the Oscars were at the normal time February but. Uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, I really, really enjoyed, enjoyed this movie, movie and that is The Sound of Metal. Uh, so, I always interrupt you when you start doing your description, but The Sound of Metal is one I really, really, really want to see. And I understand that it was made like three years ago yeah. and kept being pushed off because of COVID and everything. And then um, I really want to see it. It's not on Netflix. I don't know no, what it's on. I think it's on Amazon or yeah, something like that. that. Uh, it is being shown at some theaters when they show the Oscar nominated movies mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks, and so I will see it then. But I yeah, it's amazing. Oh, it's yeah, it's, it's a heavy, heavy film. Riz Ahmed is fantastic in this film. He's so good, and I I liked him in movies in the past. He was really good in a movie called Nightcrawler with Jay Gyllenhaal. Have you seen that one? I believe so. Yeah, he was he was like a cab driver in that. Like Jay Gyllenhaal just pretty much forces to drive him around. Yeah, he was good in that. Uh, he was good in Star Wars, Star Wars story. So I mean, I was yeah, I was on for a while. And man, did he pick a perfect role here? This is this movie is dense. It's it's hard to watch at times. Not hard to watch, but like it's just very the way that it uh, depicts deafness is so accurate. And you know the, the way the film uses sound editing to kind of relate that is brilliant because you get a lot of these like muffled sounds like that he hears, and that's. What, what I imagine would be like to go to death, death is that it just slowly, you know, noises slowly just kind of blend together and you don't really understand anything. And it's heartbreaking because you see this guy who, you know, really had no regard for his health at all. I mean, he was in these bands, was in band, slamming the drums as hard as he can every night and didn't really have any lookout for his own health so that when his ears compromised, he's kind of left to figure it all out and, and uh, find meaning in life. And, <laughs> and it's a, it was a really good movie. I, I was, yeah, it's, it's a hard, it's a very dense movie. And, and I, think I think it definitely deserves uh, any of the Oscar. I don't know if it has any nominations or not. Oh, yeah, no, it's nominated for Best Movie. Oh, Best Picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah deserves, deserves it. It's, it's good. good. Yeah. It's really and, uh, good. Probably more nominations as well, but certainly for Best Picture. Yeah, Ahmed, he deserves to be nominated for Best Actor. I don't know if he should win because of another performance I'm thinking of, but... But, but he is freaking stellar, and I think he'll, he'll be a star in a couple of years, man, because he's really good in this movie. movie. Okay. Uh, but that's, that's my number five, is The Sound of Metal, which is your number four. So now we're in an area where these movies would make my list in any year. Yes, yeah, I agree. Sound of Metal was probably the, uh, the cutoff for you. Or no, Invisible Man. Okay. That was probably so my top four would make it in any year, one of which you might argue with me. I don't know if it officially came out in 2020, but we'll get to that. My number four is a movie that I absolutely loved. I did not think I would. I thought maybe I'd like it, it might be okay. But I loved everything about it. I got, I'm kind of an emotional guy anyway. I got emotional about it. I laughed throughout the whole thing. The music was phenomenal. And it's the film version of a 2018 Broadway musical called The Prom. And it is amazing with Meryl Streep playing uh, an actress that has won a couple of Tony Awards, who is kind of slipping in popularity, but she still lives, the, she still wants the attention and respect that a celebrity um, gets. Uh, James Corden, you know, he's got his own talk show late night, is uh, also starring in this, along with Andrew Reynolds, who's another one of my favorite uh, actors, along with Kerry Washington, Tracy Ullman, Mary Kay Place, and Nicole Kidman. And uh, it is, to me, 
it's, it's a, a phenomenal movie. It's, it's a musical, and it's funny as heck, and the performances are stellar. I think Meryl Streep and maybe James Corden, uh, if they had gotten nominated, I would not have been upset. And it's probably because the movie didn't do very well, and it was mostly on Netflix. And Streep gets nominated every She does, as does Glenn Close does a lot. And Streep was so good in this role. Um, uh, yeah. So, yeah. so she's called, called the prom. It's called the prom. It's on Netflix. Okay, and it uh, is very good. It deals with some social issues in a very comedic way, and it tugs at your heartstrings. So you know, some people may not like the obvious attempt to do that, but it's really good. The music is great. Ryan Murphy directs, and he's like the king of Hollywood right now with television and movies, and and you know, half of the successful TV shows on right now are. Have uh, Ryan Murphy's name attached to yeah, it. So that's my number four. And, uh, you know, if we were doing this tomorrow, it could possibly even be higher. So okay. it just depends on the day. Yeah, I understand that. My number four is. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. This, this film I saw actually the other day in preparation for this because uh, it was it's nominated for Best Picture. Uh, and, uh, man, this movie has so much heart. I. I could not believe how much I love this movie, and it, I, I can't even believe I have it at number four, but yet again, it is, because, you know, this, is, like you said, these are all, this is where it gets hard for me. Tell me it's the top five. But this movie, yeah, enough, you know, prefacing, this movie is called Minari. It's not on Netflix. Again, I tried to watch a lot of movies at home to prepare for this, too, and I want to see it. kind of reminds me of last year's. Yeah, now, Parasite, Parasite, Parasite sort of. Uh, no, no, only because it's a foreign film with subtitles. A Korean film, yeah. And a lot of people wrote Parasite off because of that, yeah. and when they should not have. I did, I did at first, yes, yes, I did it first, and then I watched it and yes. absolutely loved it. So I'm glad to hear it's great, because I really want to like it and really want to see it. I will tell you this, South Korea is on fire right now, these guys. I mean, they got what, the... the What's the, the big pop band, BTS? Oh, yeah, BTS, yeah. Those guys are killing it. <laughs> they are. They got uh, Bong Joon-ho, or, what, or uh, what's it, uh, Bong Joon-ho? Bong Joon-ho, the guy who directed Parasite. Dude's one of the best directors working right now. And then they got this film, which blew me away with how much heart and nuance this movie has for subjects that could easily have been exploited for, you know, brownie points. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, this film follows a Korean family that immigrates to, immigrates to uh, the United States uh, in the 80s. They, they tried, you know, they tried to, you know, make a living in California. They couldn't do it. So the guy, the father just goes out and buys this uh, big plot of land out in Arkansas and tries to make his own farm. And it was so inspiring in this movie. This is one of the most inspiring movies I have ever, like, that I've seen this year. Uh, it was so good. And... The, the thing about it is the family unit is so, like, well-realized. Like, it does it feels so real. Like, because so many of these movies can feel, like, so clunky and and, and forced yeah. uh, and contrived. But this one just seems so natural and authentic. And, you know, it, this is, you know, this is uh, social issues. Like, you know, Hollywood tries to exploit a lot of these social issues. And this movie handles, you know... Because this movie easily could have just been, you know, Asian family gets tortured by racist southern white people. But this movie really does a great job of 
just showing the, the, the real humanity of people. And it, and it didn't go for those cheap, you know, political points. It, it tried to tell a real story about a real family and it was inspiring. It really was because they actually wanted to tell a story instead of, you know, pushing whatever agenda. So it, it was really, it was a breath of fresh air for a movie like this. Uh, it made me really want to see it. I really yeah. wanted to, and I was really crossing my fingers it was on Netflix. Yeah, it, I, I, I'm serious. It was really good. And, um, uh, the actor Stephen Ewan, who's the, the main actor, he's really good in this movie. He's nominated for Best Actor. I think he's the first foreign actor to be nominated for Best Actor. So shout out to him. Uh, and then I forget the actress's name, but she plays the grandma in the film. Oh, she is great. She's nominated for Supporting Actress. She should win, in my opinion. She's so good. And there's a scene with the with the little boy and her at the in the, in the creek. And it is magical, man. It's movie magic. It was it was a really good scene. And, and the movie, it's not full subtitles because it takes place in America. So, you know, and the kids, I thought it was kind of a cool aspect that the kids speak a lot of English because it kind of, and, and, and the movie toes on that line of, you know, forgetting your culture and, and moving to a new place and having to adapt but at the same time keeping your own values and your, and your original values from your original country. And I think this movie treated that with such care when many movies will just, you know, do, do anything to get brownie points instead of actually just telling a real story in this movie. It felt so authentic. Can't so, wait to see it. The the uh, big fan the little movie. kid was on uh, either Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon, one of the Jimmys. He's and, fantastic. And they showed a clip of him with his grandmother. And it wasn't the one by the creek, but he was, she called him like a kid or something. And he said something like he was a man or something, I forgot, something like yeah. that. But, it was a great clip. Oh. It really made me want to see it. Kids yeah. are really cute, and they're and they're really good too. Because yeah. did Parasite? Any actors from Parasite win anything at the Oscars, or was it just? I uh, know it won the like picture were... best international film. Okay, I just feel like I saw acceptance speeches, but it's probably best for best screenplay too. I think yeah, I think best so. adapt, uh, original screenplay or something. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, Minari was really good. Had a lot of heart, and uh, yeah, I I man, I'm actually thinking about this, and I'm I'm not gonna move it up, but I could. Yeah. But, What's your number three? Well, this is what you're going to argue with me about because uh, I took some liberty with the release date in uh, Europe. Okay. It was released in 2020. Okay. In the United States, it was released in January 2021. What is it? So it's Nomadland. That's your number three? Yeah. That is also my number three. Is it really? Yeah. So you agree with me that that's a 2020 movie? Yep. Because officially, at least according to my research, is that it wasn't a 2021 movie that it was a tw- that it wasn't wasn't a 2020 movie here in the US so i yeah i consider it 2020 yeah. but yeah okay um actually i love this movie oh, i did uh, too i loved it so much francis McNorman is actually from a small town uh, by champaign illinois where i spent most of my life and uh, called gibson city she grew up there i did not know that until like a few months ago and after i saw the movie i researched it more and it's uh, based on a, a true story. Mm-hmm. And what really, Frances McDormand, who normally drives me nuts, her facial expressions, her demeanor, her attitude kind of drives me nuts, but mm-hmm. she, you, you cannot argue that she's not a fantastic actress. Oh, no. Um, but something about her, just, I'm not like a crazy big fan, but if she's in a movie, you pretty much know it's going to be solid. Yeah. Um, what really gave this movie heart, though, was that some of the nomads in no man land were real people. yeah they're real people and so two of her friends were real nomads and there's an older gentleman in the movie that kind of gave advice and was somebody they could go talk to and all this he was a real guy too and their stories were real and mm-hmm. 
It was kind of emotional at, at, at times. Oh, yeah. Powerful movie. She was really strong-willed. I mean, she wanted and liked and wasn't going to uh, compromise her nomadic life. And this is a part of life that I'm not sure too many people knew about, including me. I mean, you hear about a person here and there, but it's like there's a group of people who are live a nomadic lifestyle. Living out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. In their cars. And they just go from place to place and they, they live in their vehicle, you know, their RV or their truck or something. Powerful movie. It's nominated for, for uh, Best Picture. Uh, not surprisingly, Frances McDormand uh, nominated for Best Actress. Um, she did a phenomenal the job. The director, Chloe Zhao, did yeah. a phenomenal yeah. job with this film, man. It yeah. is so real. It's so real, you know. It, it yeah. feels almost like a documentary at times, yeah. you know. Like, well, what, what almost makes it feel like the documentary, and I felt like that when I was watching the movie, but after I found out that so many of the people in the movie were real, it made it even, in my mind, made it more of like a documentary. Right. In a very entertaining way and an emotional way. It's very emotional too. That one, there's a one scene where she's talking to a woman in the in the car, and she's talking about how she's like, ah, you know, like you know what I'm talking about when she's like in, in the in the thing, and the and the lady's like sitting on the chair, and she's talking to her, and she has like the cancer, and she's gonna die, and you know, and she's like, I, you know, I don't know, I, I think I lived a good life, and I just like pause that moment, I'm like, damn, I know, I'm like that is so heavy, it is, like that is so flipping heavy, <laughs> and it it works so well, and, and like the film just tackles so many things, like. You know, finding purpose, uh, you know, the economic time, you know, the economic struggles of that time. I mean, this was like 2011. And being true to yourself, what you want out of life. Right. Um, so much of that. It was very, it was emotional, yeah. very well done. I and left, it, when, I, when it was over, I almost felt exhausted. Yeah. It's a, it's a very challenging film at times because, you know, it, you could argue that nothing really happens in the movie. But, I mean... It's not, that. yeah, it, it, because it's so intimate, you know, it, 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 in, in the, and, and it doesn't even feel like it's written, you know, right. <laughs> and a lot of it probably wasn't, um, especially with like the real, the real people, like you're saying. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I, I was so into it. Me um, too. And like I said, on another day, it could be yeah. number two, maybe even one. And I thought Frances McDormand was so much better in this movie than that three billboards of Ebbing, yeah. Missouri. I thought that movie was overrated and just really bland, in my opinion. Yeah. Just, yeah. Well, those types of movies uh, are favored by the Academy. Yeah. I like. I mean, okay, I liked it, but it's not really memorable. Not like this one. I like this one so much more. I liked it, too. I agree. And I like Frances McDormand in this much more because she was kind of like, you know... Her character in Three Billboards was just not really that likable to me. Right. Not like she is in this movie. She's so much more, you know, relatable and likable in this movie than, than in that part. one. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah, this, yeah, definitely. What's your number two? The next two movies I absolutely loved. And, again, I don't know. I could switch one or two. And, and, and number two is an Alan Sorkin film who mostly wrote for television. Yep. But this is The Trial of Chicago, the Chicago 7. Didn't make my list. Which I knew about, uh, but, you know, it's almost like a history lesson a bit. I, I knew a lot of the uh, the Chicago 7 people from their post-Democratic uh, National Convention lives, the post-trial lives. Um, I got emotional over this movie, too, because, uh, you know, they were fighting for uh, what was right. And in a very... It, it, what really happened and got made them seem more evil than they were. Now, I know there were a couple of people that uh, maybe 
overstepped lines and so on and so forth. Yeah. But it wasn't intended to, you know, the politics of the day were such that they were supposed to be made out to be more evil than they were. Um, you know, they, they did create a lot of dissension and that sort of thing. But um, it was for maybe the right reasons. And I thought this was a fantastic movie, fantastic performances. It was kind of like an all-star cast. So you didn't know who, if somebody was going to try to steal the limelight, say, well, you know, I'm Eddie Redmayne or somebody that yeah. I'm supposed to have a bigger role. It was, I thought it was really excellently cast. It made me want to see uh, Judas now. Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, yeah because it, it uh, is the story of one of the lesser characters. Yeah, Bobby Seale. No, 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 no. Uh, Fred Hampton, I believe. Oh, Fred Hampton. That's Oh, that's Judas and the Black Messiah, right? Yeah. Okay. And that he was uh, consulting for Bobby Seale. Yeah, he was the guy leaning up over yeah, the, over the yeah. pews. Like, yeah. Who lost his life because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, those... Uh, what a turbulent time. Yeah. But the Judas... Uh, uh, and what's the full title? And the Black Messiah? Ju Judas and the Black Messiah, yeah. Uh, is a, a continuation of, or tells his part of the story, okay. which is pretty amazing, too, and what happened to him. But Trial of the Chicago 7, to me, is a fantastic movie. Probably underrated, and it's my number two. And on the right day, I might even put it number one. I left that movie feeling like this was really incredible. Mm -hmm. I really love this movie. Yeah. Interesting. I, me, I didn't love the film that much. I thought it was okay. I... The third act completely took me out of the movie. I mean, the whole riots and all that looks so staged and phony to me. Like, it didn't feel real at all. Like, it did, you know, especially when they're standing there in front of all those people, and then all those people are just standing behind them, and they, they have a good five feet of distance where they're like, where should we go next? Oh, we're cornered. And it was like, it just seems so phony. Like, to me, I was just watching it like, God, this movie's completely... Because the Bobby Seal stuff is flipping fascinating. It is. It's fascinating. And, and they completely throw it away in the second act and the movie just completely spirals out of nowhere, yeah, well, there was in my a, opinion. There's a lot to cover. So yeah, I, I, I can see that. It could have been a miniseries rather than just a film. Maybe. Um, I didn't analyze the crowds as, as much. As yeah, it just stood out to me. the feel of, of what was going on at the time. I was okay with that, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it, um, looked, just, it looked too much like a movie, you know? Okay. I'll that was my opinion. I'll give you that. I loved it, though. No, I, I understand. I it's a well-written movie. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin's a phenomenal writer. I mean, there's no, nobody, you know, nobody's well, denying that. That and, movie was, they were trying to make this movie for like a decade, and it's changed hands a few times, and uh, it's been rewritten a few times, and it finally came to light, and uh, yeah, Aaron Sorkin was the one to do it. Yeah, it's a good film, and I think he directed this, too. I think he did. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a good film. Don't get me wrong. I just, I had problems with it, especially in the third act. Yeah. It kind of fell apart for me, but okay. I did like it. Um... What is your number? Oh, wait, my number two, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a little ahead of myself. My number two was a film I actually just rewatched because I wanted to make sure it was still my number two, and it is. It is Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. Oh, I wanted to see that too. I have not seen that. Oh, this is a. Yeah. Now, this movie isn't going to be for everybody because it is a very fast paced movie. There's a lot of quick dialogue, very much Tarantino-esque dialogue, but yeah. it definitely has that. It, this is a Guy Ritchie film through and through. For me, well, Guy, I, Guy, Guy Ritchie's hit or miss with right. me. Right. Me too. Kind of I liked, and it's crazy because this movie comes out in, in February. Well, he he has he comes out with Aladdin in, in 2019, which was horrendous. It was a horrible movie. I watched the whole thing. I thought it was terrible and so unnecessary. Um, he comes out with that, but you could tell he didn't really have a lot of control over that. He was just kind of there to be behind the camera and be a name for the film. 
more than him actually having creative control over it. Cause it just didn't seem like a Guy Ritchie movie at all. Yeah. It felt like a, just a Disney studios movie, you know, with Guy Ritchie's name slapped on it. And, and the, you know, Guy Ritchie, you're like you said, he's hit or miss, but this harkens back to like his best work, you know, lock, stock, smoke and barrels and uh, snatch. Like this is very much in that vein. Cause it's kind of, it's a gangster flick in a way. Like, you know, it, it has Matthew McConaughey, a great cast. Matthew McConaughey is great in this movie, of course, super slick and, and likable. Charlie Hunnam, who is a hit or miss for me, he was not great in that King Arthur movie, which I thought was, yeah, that's another Guy Ritchie film, but um, Charlie Hunnam was really fun in this movie and really good. This is one of my favorite performances, I think, of his career. He's so good in this movie and so fun. Uh, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, actor, uh, older, he was in that uh, show with uh, Nicole Kidman. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Got, uh, Hugh Grant. Oh, Hugh Grant. Grant. Okay. I'm sorry. sorry. Hugh Grant was really good in this movie as well. He's kind of like he's kind of like this guy that like kind of moves you through the story because like he it's it's complicated, but he has like the screenplay that he kind of breaks down. And the movie is very fun, it, and, it, and it jumps around, and there's a lot of fun scenes, and I love the aesthetic. Uh, and there there there's one scene in particular where Charlie Hunnam goes to find this person, this important person's daughter who's like gone rogue and is like hanging out with, you know, these stoner no-lifes and he like walks in and basically like uh, is trying to get her to come with them and go back to her family and she's like refusing to and these guys, you know, and, and she's with all these young guys and it, it's just this really funny scene and it's really, really well-written movie, good, good action at moments and just, I really enjoyed it I, and I could see myself just watching this movie a lot. Uh, and rewatchability is huge for me when I'm making these lists. And yeah, yeah, Guy Ritchie had a big hit here, so I'd like to see what he does next. And, and uh, you know, he, he he's a filmmaker that I do really respect. At the end of the day, you know, despite you know everybody has their missteps, and you know he's had some movies that didn't work like Aladdin, but uh, swept away. But uh, yeah, I thought this was a good film. So Aladdin, so he he did the live action version mm -hmm. of the animated. Yep, it was like it's so unnecessary. I felt hard about Lion King. Yep. Why? Lion why? King was at least better. Oh my god. But why? not good. No, no. No, it was not good. Why? I the first one's a masterpiece. I agree. So why? Why mess with it except money? Money. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's the only reason. And then you could throw Beyonce in there and try to change everything. And she argued we're talking about a movie that's not included here. Yeah, but But she wanted a song in there because she wouldn't have done it if she she wanted to mess with the Elton John Tim Rice uh, uh, soundtrack. So uh, I yeah. it's like Come on. That movie, Don't yeah. mess with it. Okay. So there you go. And, and yeah. No, no emotion <laughs> in that movie either. None. It's zero. Unlike the animated. Right. It has so much character yes. and heart and yeah. really dark at times too. Oh, yeah. But um, uh, back to Guy Ritchie though and, and the gentleman. Really fun gangster flick. I'm, I'm a sucker for these kind of movies. Uh, and this one, it has a lot of rewatchability because it is told, the story's told in this kind of frantic, all over the place kind of way. So, I mean, I can see how people could get confused with this film, but on the rewatch, I enjoyed this movie so much better because I kind of knew the beats at that point. So I could really just kind of sit back and enjoy the yeah. performances and the dialogue and it's all there. All so right. Guy Ritchie, good for you, man. Okay. Uh, what's your, what's your top movie of 2020? The top movie of 2020 is one I liked a lot. And I even watched it a little bit later in the evening, which is not the smartest thing to do because, you know, sometimes you lose interest. Mm -hmm. But I love this movie. And the fact, a lot of people won't like it because it's in black and white. But uh, Mank. Mm, Mank interesting choice. That's your number year. one. It's my number one movie. I love 
Well, in college, I took a lot of film courses, and Citizen Kane was yep. uh, a movie that I first saw in college and had to write a paper on it, and we discussed it, and uh, I, I love the movie. So I love also behind the scenes of Hollywood uh, and things you didn't know. It's based on a true story with uh, Orson Welles mm -hmm. and... Um, uh, and yeah, Magwitz, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it... It just was amazing to me that Mankiewicz wrote most of Citizen Kane, yet Orson Welles got most of the credit. Mm -hmm. And to find out why is why you need to watch the movie. Because mm -hmm. I don't think we want to be spoilers here because yeah. a lot of people have not seen a lot of these movies because of COVID. So right. go to your streaming services. Yeah, this one's on Netflix. Yeah. It's on Netflix, which is why I saw it. Mm -hmm. I Salted. absolutely loved this movie. Gary Oldman was fantastic. He is very um, good in this movie, yes. He doesn't do a lot except talk. You know, yeah. it's one of these movies that there's no action. It's all emotion mm -hmm. and it's all uh, telling the story of what really happened of what is often considered the greatest movie of all time. So um, I loved it. It's my number one without fail. Okay. I'll tell you this Did much. Did it even make your list? No. It's, oh, it's an honorable God. mention. I liked oh. it. Oh my My God. problem with it is the movie is boring. It is so boring. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I know you like it. it. Was. I know I you like it, it. And I think it's a really well done movie and it's well acted, well written, but like just not, it, it, every scene is the same. Mank walking around drunkenly, you know, complaining about stuff and then, you know, characters just kind of bouncing off it. It, it just didn't but it, it helped with the progression that that's who he was as a person. It yeah. wasn't just because he had an accident and he was recovering and it was a temporary thing. That was who he was, and then the struggles with the studio heads and Louis B. Mayer and, and Orson Welles and all these yeah. people, and and, and uh, they really they really uh, they uh, depict Welles as just a total pit bull in this movie, oh, yeah. <laughs> through through. which I guess he was. Yeah, and the Communist Party and and all this stuff. To me, it was absolutely fascinating. So, like we were talking earlier. I don't mind movies if they're considered, you know, quote unquote, a little bit slow if they progress the story. And I was fascinated by the story. Yeah, I mean, I understand. I really was. And uh, yeah, I mean, especially if you have that more of that connection with Citizen Kane. I like Citizen Kane. I think it's a very brilliant film. It is. But uh, I mean, it's not one of my favorites. So, I mean, maybe I would have liked this movie more in that in that regard. But yeah. I don't know. I I thought it was good. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I liked Gary Oldman, but in the movie, but. Uh, I just, nothing really makes me want to go back and watch that again, you know? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know what? There aren't many movies that I want to invest another two hours in, even good ones. I, yeah. I feel like once I've seen them, but occasionally there's some I want to see again. Movies to me are not like music. You know, you listen to music over and over again, but movies don't necessarily. There are exceptions, of course. Yeah. But I also love that, you know, the making of Citizen Kane, I mean, there's so much, uh, politics played such a major role. And, mm -hmm. and whether this movie that was, they said, loosely based on the life of William Randolph Hearst, the most powerful media mogul, you know, in the world at that time, was considered very dangerous. Of course. And they were trying to convince him not to do it. And, and I mean, the politics of, of that and taking on William Randolph Hearst, you know, for a presidential yeah, campaign. Played by Charles Dance, who's just a phenomenal oh actor. Oh my gosh. I just loved everything about it. And maybe it's because I knew a little bit of the history, but there was a lot of it I did not know. Right. And so, I didn't know any of it. So yeah. that's probably why I didn't really... It was hard to kind of follow, too, at times. Yeah, I, I can see that. I knew enough to be really interested, and there was enough new stuff that fascinated me that I went back and researched it. Because right. you never know... 
a lot of these true stories cannot yeah, be shown yeah. in history class because, including Lincoln, Spielberg's Lincoln, there's enough things that have been changed that you can't. People believe that all these true stories are true. So, uh, like Rocket Man, for instance. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, a great, brilliant movie. So many inaccuracies, and that's true with a lot of these true stories. Mm -hmm. So I went back and researched it. I loved it. It's my number one. All right. I'm curious to hear what your number one is. I can't believe you haven't seen. Well, I mean, maybe because it's not as accessible and it's not on Netflix uh, or or very many streaming at all. But this film absolutely destroyed me. Okay. I I couldn't believe how good this movie was. I want to see it already. This uh, this movie is called The Father. I know it. Anthony Perkins. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Sorry, <laughs> Anthony Perkins has been dead. Yeah, he's a psycho. Yeah. yeah. Anthony Hopkins. Everything I've seen, this is phenomenal and it's very touching and oh it's something God. that uh, we we being a lot of people and families deal with. And I want to see it so badly. I will see it in the theater. Maybe over the weekend or next week. I'll see it before the Oscars. Um, I wanted to see it, but it was not available on Netflix. This movie destroyed me, yeah. man. It was so heavy. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. And Anthony Hopkins is going to win Best Actor. <laughs> he is. He is one of the best performances I think I've ever seen. Period. He is incredible in this film. And heartbreaking. I mean, man. And, and it's hard for me because... You know, my grandpa's going through this, and I'm yeah. watching it firsthand, and the way this film depicts it is so brilliant. There's a scene in particular, not, not, a, not a spoiler, but he, there's a scene where he comes in to go to eat, and then they have this conversation, and then he leaves, and when he comes back, it's shot the exact same way as when he first came in. And they say the same thing, like, oh, what are you doing there, standing in the hall? The same thing they say when he first comes in. Yeah. And it's like this thing where I'm like, I paused the film at that moment, and I was like, I was like, what? what? I had to rewind it. And I watched that whole scene again. And the way it is done is brilliant. And you'll know when you see the film. But yeah, making me emotional now because... Oh my goodness, but the ending of this movie... Yeah. Oh, okay. It broke me. I cried. And I don't cry during movies. Yeah. Very rarely. Oh my God. Very rarely. And I cried. I do. At the end of this film. I, I, it just... Oh, it's a lot. And, and I mean, the film deals with... You know... Uh, this character, you feel so, you know, he, he acts so irrationally throughout the film, but you, you can't, you know, yeah. and even the people around him are like, man, he's just so out of it, we can't, you know, it's hard, and it's, it's, it's a very hard, you know, and, and the movie as it goes progressively, you know, it gets worse and worse for him, so, I mean, but the movie, but the way it's done, and the, the dialogue, and the acting, I mean, is Phenomenal. Although, you know that movie, The Favorite, that came out a couple of years course. ago? Who, you know who played uh, Queen Anne? I forget oh, her yeah. name. Oh, uh, yeah. Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. She's in the film. And she won the Oscar, too, I believe. Yeah, she did. She's brilliant in this film, too. Yeah, and, she's and she's, Yeah, she's so good in this movie, dude. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, I couldn't believe how much I loved it. And it's I was like, I, didn't, I, had, I hadn't really heard much about it until, like, a, like a month ago. You know, I started getting buzzed for the Oscars, and I, I saw it, man. I'm wondering if it uh, was, is not a 2021 movie. I don't think it is. Let me look. Um, but that would be a big botch on my part. We have, <laughs> we have. I think so many people know people going through. It is twenty twenty. Okay. Okay. Good. Because um, I, I looked up uh, some. Maybe I just missed that one. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to see it. We just ran out of time. see it. Ran it out of time. It's amazing. It's an amazing film. We almost everybody knows people who 
gone through that, and it's so it's heartbreaking, hard. uh, especially when it's somebody in your family, somebody you care about. Right. And so, and the way the thing I think I love about this movie too is it, it was adapted from a play yeah. by the director of the play and the writer of the play wrote the screenplay and directed the film. So it was a direct adaptation, like through and through, the vision of the of the creator. And you can, I mean. Just the care and the music. I love the opera music that kind of you know brings you through to different scenes of the movie. Uh, really works. You know, movies that use opera uh, are really powerful. Like I really mm-hmm. like in, in this movie, which I haven't seen yeah. yet, but I think of like Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. A couple of movies yeah, that use opera to great effect. I mean, it, it, it adds to the emotion of what's happening. Mm-hmm. There's something about opera that does right, that. Right, just, just like the higher pitch vocals, just like they hit you on some level, especially in this film. Like, and, and, you know, uh, it's crazy because I, I talked about the sound of metal, how, with the, how they used filmmaking and sound editing to kind of give you that illusion of going deaf and kind of give you that feeling of what it would be like. This film does the exact same thing with, with, with dementia and... and, and Alzheimer's and it, it, it does it in a way that is so powerful and, and the filmmaking just the, the direction like I mentioned with that scene that I was explaining that kind of filming it does throughout the film you know characters kind of are replaced by other actors you know and it's kind of like it gives you this disorienting feel throughout the whole film and you're just like what the hell is going on and that's exactly how these people feel right so I mean it's perfect it's a brilliant film I, I yeah I will see it it's heavy I will see it it's very heavy though. I will yeah. warn you know what? It's very interesting when we share a top ten list that there was only one movie that we both had. I know. I thought we were gonna have a lot more commonality. No, I think uh, which kind of makes a point to how challenging and unusual twenty twenty was because mm-hmm. COVID shut everything down, including theaters. Um, so many movies now, and COVID kind of sped this along. I think is that more and more movies are being released on streaming services as. More and more theaters are going... Yeah, it's giving them an outlet to just fully push the streaming. More and more uh, theaters are going bankrupt or closing or limited. I mean, even mm-hmm. in Columbus... Uh, yeah, the AMC, AMC, AMC got bought, yeah. Lennox uh, closed. Oh, the Lennox one closed? Yep, and then the, the, wow. the AMC in uh, Champaign, Illinois, where I'm from. Uh, not, it wasn't the AMC, it was a different one. Uh, GKC closed. And Phoenix, this kind of a Dollar Tree movie chain... Everything's a little bit cheaper. Phoenix, yeah, they're the ones that bought Lennox. Yeah, yeah they bought Lennox, then they bought the one in Champagne. Good for that, the country. No, it's good. Thank goodness for them. They're a little uh, lower priced right. and, and, and all that kind they of thing. They can fill the door. AMC stonks. Well, but <laughs> 2020 was just so strange for movies. And you know me. I've said it many times. Totally. I love seeing movies in theaters. And that opportunity was not really there much. I think the first movie I saw in theaters in 2020 was in October. Uh, it was in, uh, actually early November, because I think I'm the only person on earth who had never seen Hocus Pocus. And uh, oh, really? it was the anniversary of Hocus Pocus. And I uh, thought, well, you know what? I need to see that movie, plus I need to get out of the house. And so I, I saw that, and so that one's like 25 years old or more. So, you know, there wasn't that opportunity. And so my struggle with the list, as I looked at the list of 2020 movies of significance is that they're all over the board on streaming services and there's no way you can see them all. And right now are they starting to come back and say in the last month or maybe a little bit longer, um, but they don't stay in theaters long and then they go straight to the streaming services. So that's the challenge. I, I would say if we do this again next year, we might have the same movies in different orders, Yeah, but we might have more of the same movies because... Right. I kind, of liked how our, I kind of liked how our lists were very different, though, because we got to cover a lot of different films. Or, I mean, 
How many commonalities do we... Let's read our lists. Well, we only had one No Man Land. Is that yeah, was that the only commonality we had? Because wow. I had uh, Mank, Trial of Chicago 7, No Man Land, The Prom, Hillbilly Elegy, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Pieces of a Woman, Hamilton, Midnight Sky, and Wonder Woman, 1984. Yeah, and I have the way back at ten. My number nine is the King of Staten Island. My number eight is the Phenomenon. My number seven is Soul. My number six is the Invisible Man. My number five is the Sound of Metal. Number four is Minari. Number three is Nomadland. Number two is the Gentleman, and number one, the Father. Yeah, and so many of those I want to see, but I didn't have access. Right, it is a hard year. I agree. So if we do this again next year, I bet we're more in tune because I think in a lot of ways. We like a lot of the same movies. We do, yeah. And, and, this, and I think if we were done in 2019, yeah. we would have had some of this because, you know, Rocketman was high on my list and is also would probably be your number one. Well, and it's not because of Bob. I mean, full disclosure, I'm a diehard Elton John fan. And, and a lot of people said, well, of course you're going to like that movie. And I said, not necessarily because I'm such a fan. I think I might be more critical than an average moviegoer because I know yeah. the facts more than, than most. So I loved it. I hated the inaccuracies. But here's the deal. Um, we did an Arena Guy podcast in mm -hmm. 2019, I believe, or yeah. 2019? 2019. 2019, yeah. This year, we're doing this, you and me, in this very unusual COVID year. Mm -hmm. So we need to do this again we next year. We'll next year. And see how post-COVID, cross your fingers... Post-COVID, how close we are. Yeah. Because a lot of the major movies we will have seen, mm -hmm. and we'll have a year to see it, as right. opposed to like... Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I can get over this time. No, no, it's not that. It's that two months in theaters, really, we, movies haven't been back for long, and when they did first come back, it was only like a couple. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're saying. Like the, the film release? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Right. And, and, and then you had to have the streaming services. They're, they're, just, they're just putting them out there for like a week just to get the, the, you know, the prerequisites to be nominated for an Academy Award. Like, that's really the reason oh, they even released it at this point. Because like, they're not making any box office revenue right now. Well, nowadays they are. Uh, King Kong and Godzilla just made a bunch of money. People were dying to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. It was exactly what you I thought it was a horrible movie, but it was entertaining in the sense that yeah. you knew it was a popcorn movie right. and you wanted the roars and you wanted the violence and you wanted the fights and you got that. Right. And, and that was what I was scared of is that they were going to just have some stupid storyline and nobody cares about. Like, just like give us some... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least they, at least they <laughs> cut it to a minimum. Like, in the other Godzilla movies, they take over half the film and it's like, I want to just see the monsters blow each other up. Like, I don't care about whatever this is. But know? anyone who says... That movie wasn't what they expected is lying. Yeah, wrong. Because it was exactly what you expected. And uh, I did see that movie, and it was a fun Saturday afternoon movie. Yeah. But, I mean, in the scheme of cinematic history, it wasn't really good. No. But no. It, it was what you expected, and you ate a lot of popcorn, where I said, whoa, that's cool, I'll King Kong and Godzilla. Yeah, we're CGI. <laughs> but no, yeah. 2021, we'll see what happens with, you know, blockbusters and whatnot. Everything's getting pushed back. We'll see. Obviously, half of your list uh, before the Academy Awards. Yeah. I don't have much okay. time, but let's do this real quick before we cut off. Okay. What? What do you think is going to be the best picture this year? I haven't seen some of them, so I try. I'm in the process of seeing them. Um, I think uh, Nomadland has a lot of buzz, but I haven't seen a lot of the others. Um, 
Mank is nominated. I think Mank had the most nominations over any movie. I think really? Ten nominations. Wow. More than any other movie. That is totally awesome. Oh, yeah. It's very Hollywood. Behind the scenes Hollywood. And Hollywood people might like that. Yeah. It's black and white, so that makes it have an artsy feel. I love black and white movies. Well, I do too. You have to be careful with overusing it because then you say, well, they're doing that for effect and they're doing that on purpose for this reaction but yeah it was warranted it was very good. yeah it makes sense from the context um on my list i don't think i don't think pieces of woman was not your best movie but best uh, actress or supporting actress maybe um no i don't have any other best movie nominations i want to see um Judas and Black Messiah? I, I do. Yeah, yeah I that's the one I have to see, still. That's, that's the only one, one I have to see. I'm intrigued by it because of the trial of Chicago 7. I want to see The Father, big time. Oh, yeah, uh, check it out. I want to see, I'm, I don't want to say it because I'm going to mispronounce the name of the South Korean film. Oh, Minari? Yeah, Minari. Check that out. Uh, I want to see that so badly. Um, so right now, just from what I read, and I read entertainment magazines, mm-hmm. and I just get a vibe, my vibe right now is that that Mank might do it. You think? I don't know. I haven't seen the others, but it's just the vibe I get, and winning an Oscar is not necessarily who deserves it the most. In fact, the nominations aren't necessarily who deserves it the most. It's somewhat political, and who spends the money to campaign and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Mank got 10 nominations, uh, including uh, acting, uh, and and screenplay, and, and movie, and I just feel like Momentum is on its side. So sure. that's kind of my prediction okay. without seeing many of the others. So I might change. Minari, though, wouldn't it be something if two groups out for in back to back? Back to back. I feel like it's not going to happen for that reason. It's kind of like why Taron Egerton didn't get nominated for an Oscar because Rami Malik did yeah. uh, for Bohemian Rhapsody. So um, it, it might be that. So yeah. long answer to your question. I'm going to say Mang just on my vibe. But uh, if you ask me in a couple of weeks after seeing them all, I might have a different uh, opinion. I think I'm thinking. Uh, probably, I want the father. I think the father. I think the father should win. It's the best movie of the bunch, but probably won't. It'll. I think. It'll, I think you're right. I think it'll probably be Mank. Or maybe Minari. I don't know if that even has enough buzz. Not like Parasite did. I don't feel like it has buzz. No. Um. And, and I, I feel, feel like, like Parasite, no matter that, maybe. If, if Parasite didn't win, would Minari have been nominated? I wonder if it's writing on the. Well, no, because now they have all. Well, yeah, because yeah, they have all the prerequisites now. You have to have this amount of, you know, uh, minorities in the film. You have to have this many, you know, know whatever. I know. So it, but, know. but even that aside, I'm wondering if it's kind of writing on the momentum of Parasite. Yeah. In a sense. Oh, totally. totally. Um, and that is one reason why. Of course, but it's not like, like that, that film. But, but I know, I know. A foreign film, yeah. subtitles that made some impact. I'm just wondering if the momentum of Parasite. I think I like, like it more than Parasite. I remember when I saw Parasite, <laughs> and you and I talked about how incredible it was, and how maybe afterwards we were both surprised at how incredible it was. <laughs> Such a well written film. Yeah. Really, really, really brilliant. Really guy. Thank, thank you so, so much for taking this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so, so much. Honestly, too much fun. Such, Such an inspiration, inspiration and, and <laughs> 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 no, seriously. Uh, Thank you for all everything, everything you've done for me. Honestly, you've been a great friend. And, well, like well, not friend, friend, but you were a great, great boss, great mentor. Now, great friend. I think we're friends. 
Of, of course, course. Yeah. yeah. You've invited me to your home many times. times. Yes. If you help me move. That's a big deal. Yes. Um, no, but uh, no. And thank you for everything that you've done. And I love uh, where you are headed. I love your ambition to do this podcast and and uh, do it and. Uh, and everything else that you're doing, I'm just really impressed. And now I'm sending good vibes to get that killer job that you want. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. I'll work on it. Anything you want to share, plug, obviously. You, the Arena Guy. Follow the Arena Guy on everything. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. And, of course, the podcast, the Arena Guy podcast that TJ was involved with. I was a producer. Wherever you get your podcast. And also you can see a visual uh, version of our podcast, I think three episodes on YouTube. Yep. So, yeah, it's all good. And uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Follow the arena guy. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. This isn't my Thanks for coming to your house. <laughs> but no, uh, follow me on everything, you know, Instagram, Twitter, go to teachingmartino.com. Got the website. Go up there, check it out. I got all the stuff there. Go to home base. Uh, see what I got coming down on the pipes. Thank, Thank you, Arena Guy, for everything. Check, Check out all the movies on our list. And uh, drop a vote what you guys think the uh, best picture treat is, is it going to be. It's fun here. It's fun here. So we'll see what happens. happens but thanks, thanks for everything. We'll, we'll talk, talk to you guys, guys next time. Hi, Jules. And, and let the beat drop. drop.